Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Good to see everyone tonight on a Wednesday, a blessed Wednesday evening. I believe everyone had a good day today. If you didn't, you did anyway, amen. <laughs> Every day is a good day in Jesus. Um, I believe everybody has been here, so you know about the, I'm not going to take the time. We start a little bit late just to give people a little bit of extra time if they were coming. So I'm not going to take time to go into the, the books and the... Uh, resources that we have because you if you've been here you've heard me talk about them so but uh, we do have them out on the table in the front so you can avail yourself to those and uh, like I said sometimes it's good to hand somebody a bite-sized piece you know it's uh it's kind of hard to eat a cake in one bite now you can eat it a bite at a time but to eat a whole entire cake in one bite is you know you may have tried it before <laughs> But, but it's a little difficult, but sometimes we just take people a bite-sized piece of God's Word, somebody that's in bondage or uh, in bondage to sin or in some type of addiction, and we can take them something to plant a seed and let them know how, how much Jesus loves them and, and, uh, and that we care for them. So those are available on the table in the back. But let's pray, and we're going to jump right into the lesson tonight. I tell you, I'm excited. And uh, there again, I know uh, we may not be dealing with uh, an addiction necessarily what we're talking about but what we're doing is is we're preparing ourselves uh, to help someone else and be able to take this message to someone else and not only that the, uh, who we are in Christ and our identification applies to everything that we are as a believer everything who we are in him that we live in him we move in him we have our being in him if it weren't for Jesus where would we be amen so everything that we are it's because of Jesus well let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that in him we've been made new, that the old man is dead, destroyed, cannot be put back together. And we've been made new. Glory to God. And, and it's in you that we have everything, Father God. It's in you that we've been made free tonight. And we thank you, Father God, for that liberty, that freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you tonight for Holy Spirit, that he's our teacher. Excuse me, that he's our teacher. He's our guide, that he's the one that reveals your word tonight, Father, that we can understand it, see it, and apply it to our lives, Father. We thank you. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I drank a little coffee before I started. I don't know if I should have. I got strangled there during the, during the prayer. <laughs> amen. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, uh, you can open them if you'd like. I'm going to read just a couple of, of scriptures that's going to lay a foundation for what we're talking about tonight. Let's look at John chapter 8. In verse 36, I printed them here so I'd have them together. I've got a couple different translations. And John chapter 8, verse 36 is talking about our freedom. And this particular uh, chapter that we've been trying to actually finish for a couple of uh, lessons now uh, is talking about our identity. And it's talking about our birthright in Christ. And it's a package deal. You remember me using the example of a vehicle. When you buy a vehicle... It's got different packages. You can get the economy or the base model, or you can get the you know, one that's fully loaded. But when you buy that vehicle, there's a package that comes with it, and when you buy it, then you get everything that comes with the package. So as a believer, when we get born again, then guess what? 
we have to, we, we receive a package deal in Christ. Amen. Amen. Everything that he is, we become glory to God and everything that we were, he took on himself. He became sin who knew no sin that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we're talking about our birthright and thank God there's certain things. And I wish so much that, uh, growing up as a child, uh, as a young adult and a child that I would have known these things that, and that's the reason it's so important. I know we got our children's church teachers in here tonight. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to teach children that they have a birthright in Christ, that things belong to them. Amen. It's not something that we have to earn to get or we're looking for or, you know, we have to please parents or, or anything like that. It's, it's just something as a believer, as a child of God, it's something that belongs to them. And it's a promise that the word of God is promises written to them and that they can trust God, stand on his word and receive everything that the word of God says they can have. So it's a privilege to be able to teach children those things and not just children, but, but to believe it and receive it for ourselves. Amen. So a birthright, everybody say birthright. birthright. That means as a born again child of God, as a born again believer, birthed into Jesus, that you have rights and privileges that the devil can't take from you unless you allow him to. So John eight 36, I'm going to read it. It says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The Holman, uh, that's the uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible, says this. It says, therefore, if the Son sets you free, you will really be free. So freedom, I'm going to make this statement. Freedom is not based on a feeling or an emotion or an experience. And that's the foundation of what we're, we're talking about in these, these teachings. This teaching series is this, is our freedom in Christ is a done deal. Amen. What Jesus did on the cross, you know this. Everybody's been taught well here, but what Jesus did on the cross is a finished work, correct? We can't add to it. We can't take away from it, no matter how good we can be or how bad we've been. There's nothing that's going to change the finished work of Christ. So it's a done deal. So our freedom is already done. See, freedom that's been provided in Jesus is a, is a finished work. So therefore, our freedom, freedom can't be based on a feeling, can it? That means if you wake up one morning and you don't feel free, guess what? That has nothing to do with it. If you wake up one morning and you feel like, if, if you've had some type of an addiction that you struggle with, if you wake up one morning and you don't feel free from that addiction, guess what? It has nothing to do with it. In Christ Jesus, you've already been made free. If you wake up one morning and you don't feel like a believer, if you don't feel like a Christian, you don't have all these spiritual butterflies, you know, moving around and goosebumps when you listen to your praise and worship in the morning, or you get your devotional out and you read through your devotional and you think, man, that was the, the driest devotion I've ever had in my life. And it feels like God's, a, you know, 10 miles away. Well, that, what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Why? Because our freedom is a finished work in Christ. So your freedom can't be based on a feeling or an emotion, and it definitely can't be based on the experience. Why? Because we all have experiences, is that right? We have experiences sometimes that, that maybe those experiences seem like they don't line up with the Word of God. But see, that's the reason you don't govern your life or live your life by an experience or a feeling. It's, it's based on the belief in this. It's the belief in the finished work of Christ. What do you believe? It's not what you do, but it's about what you believe. Amen. And there again, I'm going to say it again, is, is that we don't work on our doing or we don't work on our actions, but we change our believing. And if we change our believing, guess what? It's going to change our actions. And that's the same way when we help people overcome addictions. The church and the world is so big on, on fixing people's actions. Change this. Do this. Quit, quit doing all these things instead of changing the root of the problem, which is believing that they're already free. Amen. So they're working on changing feelings. So what with the statement we just made, they want to change their feelings, change their emotions, change their experiences, and try to get them over to freedom. But see, as a, as a believer, as a Christian, we have to start from the place of freedom. We're already free. 
It's like fighting a battle where you already, you're not fighting to defeat the enemy. We're fighting from a place that we've already won the victory. We already have the victory. Therefore, we're appropriating our victory. Amen. We've got the name of Jesus. Amen. All the power and authority of heaven has been given unto us. Amen. And we can use that name and command and decree and operate and rule and reign in life as a king and a priest that God's made us. Amen. All right. The Holman translation of Galatians 5, 1 says, Christ has liberated us to be free. That means that he set us free. He liberated us for what? For us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he's telling us here to stand firm in that freedom and don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. Well, what does the word submit mean? The word submit means to agree or to refer a matter to a third party for a decision. That means you agree to, uh, to a third party to make the decision about something. In other words, the third party is the one that votes and decides the deciding vote in, a, in an issue. So concerning our freedom, we don't refer to a third party to, say, to decide whether we're free. You understand what I'm saying? It's already been done. Glory to God. It's already decided and it's finished. So it's telling us here, stand firm and don't look to anything else. Don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery, but stand firm in your freedom. And basically what it's saying is we just, you just believe that's how you, how do you stand firm? You believe, amen. You believe the fact that you have been made free in the finished work of Christ. Now I'm going to read this in uh, the international standard version. It says the Messiah has set us free so that we might enjoy the benefits of freedom. Amen. There again, it's a package deal. We've got, we have birthrights as a believer. Amen. So that we might enjoy the benefits of freedom. So keep on standing firm in your freedom and stop putting yourselves under the yoke of slavery again. See it there? I want you to notice it says putting yourselves under the yoke of slavery. Then verse two says, listen, this is Paul talking. He said, listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you allow yourself to be circumcised, the Messiah will be of no benefit to you. Basically, what he's saying is if you put yourself back under the law, then what Jesus has done is no, no benefit or no effect to you. So how do you put yourself under the law? What we're talking about? Well, we put ourselves under the law by, by relying on what we do. And when, when it comes to addiction or some type of habit, addictive habit is, is when we rely on a step or any way to better ourselves or to become better in our own ability, then what happens is we're putting ourselves in our strength and our ability, we're putting ourselves right back under the law. And it says when you do that, then what Jesus has done is no benefit to you. Amen. <laughs> Verse 3 says, again, I insist that everyone who allows himself to be circumcised is obligated to obey the entire law. You've heard pastor teach on this. In other words, if you obey one law or part of the law, then you have to keep all the law. Amen. So you're obligated to obey the entire law. It says those of you who are trying to be justified by the law have been cut off from the Messiah. You've fallen away from grace. Now, I know in the church world, you've heard people say this. Well, bless God, you know, he, he went off and got drunk last weekend or whatever, or he went off and got high or shot up or whatever he did. He's fallen, he's fallen from grace. God's, you know, turned his back on him. How many of you heard that before? Maybe you've had somebody tell you that, or maybe you felt that way about yourself, but that's not what this is talking about. We're not, we, don't, we don't get cut off from the Messiah because we sin. Sin's already been dealt with. Now, I know, you, you know I couldn't go to a lot of places and say that, but sin has already been dealt with on the cross. Amen. I know you believe that. Is that right? Y'all believe that? Amen. If you don't, then we, we'll have a second class here in just a minute. <laughs> But we, we, we believe that sin's already been dealt with. But what it's saying here is, is this. 
is that when we're cut off from grace is the fact when we put ourselves in our ability. You see that? Because he said, he said, I insist that everyone who allows himself to be circumcised is obligated to obey the entire law. Those of you who are trying to be justified by the law have been cut off from the Messiah. You have fallen away from grace. Amen. So it's not a starting point of trying to get to victory or trying to get freedom or trying to get free from an addiction or a bondage. It's starting off from the place that I've already been made free in Christ Jesus. Not based on anything I could do, not by being good enough or doing enough good works or whatever, trying to work these steps to become free. No, we start from the place I'm already free. Amen. And if we do any steps or if we do any things, we do them in his ability. See, the tw 12 steps are, are okay. The law is good. 12 steps are okay. But this, it's not the 12 steps that gets people to freedom. You understand that? It's not the 12 steps that makes us good enough or causes us to be free from an addiction. No, we start from the place of freedom and allow his grace and ability to do any steps. But it's not the steps that makes us free. You see that? Amen. Now, hallelujah. So he's got it up there. What you believe about who you are determines your behavior. Our new identity is a result of what God has done. I'm going to say it one more time. Our new identity is a result of what God has done. Amen. So we all have a new identity. If you're born again, everybody here is tonight. We have a new identity and it's a result. And it's based on what God has done through Christ Jesus. We're not products of the past. We're products of the cross. Amen. Thank God. We're not a product of any mistake we've ever made. We're not a product of any bondage that we've ever been in. You're not a product of the mistake you might have made last week. Amen. You're a product of the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is perpetually cleansing you of all sin. Amen. So we're not products of the past. We're products of the cross. We're not who we used to be. We're new cre uh, creations. And the truth is that the old self was crucified. He was dead and he's buried and he is no more. Amen. The old man is no more. We need to believe that we no longer live, but Christ is our life and that we're one spirit with him and he lives in us. And we now live by faith. We don't wait until we feel like it. Now think about it. See, we have to declare things when we don't feel like it. We have to declare we're free when nothing around us may even seem like we're free. That's faith. If we wait till we feel like it, it won't ever happen. So we can't wait till, till, till we feel like it. If we wait until we feel like it, or like it is, so it will not happen. It's true and you believe it in your heart by faith. So don't say you can't. Amen. Don't say that you can't. Who are you? Who is your life? Who lives on the inside of you tonight? Amen. You're from God, little children, and overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. That's John, 1 John 4, 4. Amen. Man's answer for addiction. Now, this is what man tries to do to cure addiction. It's a program designed to change behavior. The result is self-improvement or the flesh. There again, they always want to work on the flesh, improve oneself. The need is to do what we should. Dynamic is our commitment. You know, if we can just commit to it and, and hold on and just do what is right, somehow we'll get free or we'll get, get the answer that we're looking for. Summary is a follow, uh, follow program of laws, rules, steps, principles by works as discipline, self-effort to improve self or the flesh. And all that does is produce dead works or behavior change. And it's all up to me. And what does that equal? 
It says guaranteed failure. <laughs> Why? Because it's all based on flesh. It's all based on self. It's all based on what we can do. And see, we just read the scripture there in Galatians. It said that when we, if, if we follow the law, then what happens is, is we're cut off. You see that we're separated from the Messiah, not as a fact of us being born again, but we're put back in our ability and we're put back under the law and we're falling from grace. His ability to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Amen. What's our job? Our job is to believe that we're already free. Amen. And depend on him and not our ability. So man's answers for problems are always based solely on what man's, man does. If, if the answer comes from what man thinks, then his answer to solve that problem is solely based on what man can do to change behavior. We will never be able to do so other than temporarily. See, sometimes people have uh, some results. You may have a relative or a friend or maybe even one of us here tonight. We may have went to a program and worked some steps or been separated to a place where we didn't have access to, uh, to drugs or alcohol or whatever we were addicted to. And for a period of time, there was improvement. Why? Because we were not available. We didn't have the freedom to get to the, to the, to the chemical or whatever it was that we were addicted to. So there, for a period of time, it seemed to be improvement. And, and, and maybe they worked the steps. Maybe they did read and study and improve themselves. But what happened is free, true freedom never came because they didn't ch uh, change the identity of who they were in Christ. They didn't change their belief. They still believed they were an addict. Amen. They still believed they were an alcoholic. So when, because the, the, uh, the belief didn't change on the inside, then when the temptation came because the flesh was used to meeting that need, then the devil came in, the flesh gave in, and the cond condemnation came in. And that's the reason that, that any time we try to do it in our ability, right here it said it's guaranteed failure. So the problem, uh, the problem is the lies that the person believes about themselves and about God. It's a belief about lies about themselves and about who God is. The emphasis is always on what man does and his ability to follow through. If you don't follow through, then, I, you know, again, we've heard a testimony of a pastor's friend that got saved. It was an alcoholic and, you know, he didn't follow through. He failed. He drank again and he called the pastor and said, I guess I, you know, I guess I'm not a believer. I guess I didn't really get saved. And he agreed with him. And, and, and you know, the results of what happened. So it says we must depend on on. He must depend on himself and his ability to follow through. And when man depends on himself, the battle is lost before it has even begun. So God's answer, this is God's answer for addiction. How many of you would rather have God's answer in life? Amen. God's answer for addiction. And you can put many things in there other than addiction. God's answer is the cross. The cross changes the person. The result is new crea creation with new identity. Amen. See, when we have a co-crucifixion with Jesus and a co-resurrection with Jesus, we've been made a brand new creation in Christ. We were changed. We have a new creation and a new identity. Amen. That's the reason we can't say that, you know, and people stand up and they confess that, well, I'm, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic. They, they begin the meetings off of that and stand up and they boldly confess that. <laughs> Not that they want to be, but that's what they identify with. But we, in Christ, we have a new identity. So we need to believe the truth of who we are. The cross, I believe my old self was crucified with Christ and by grace we receive what God has done for me on the cross. And by faith, I believe I'm dead to sin and freed from it. See there again, faith is involved. Believing is involved. It's not how we feel. Amen? But faith is I believe that I'm dead to sin and I'm freed from it. The spirit 
Trust Christ's life in me to bring forth life, peace, joy, freedom, love, and self-control. So God's answer is always based on what he has done. Amen. Not on what he might do or we want him to do, but it's based on what he's already done and accomplished. His answer is not to learn to cope or do the best we can. That's not the answer. His answer is always perfect and complete because it's from him. The freedom he gives comes from placing our faith in the person of Christ and his finished work on the cross. Freedom is not available anywhere else. That's so true. In any area of our life, freedom from anything. Not just addictions, but freedom from anything as a believer is only found in Christ and his finished work on the cross. Freedom is your birthright. Don't settle for less. For everyone born of God, this is 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Amen. God has provided the answer. Amen. It is finished. We're freed from sin. All that we do detracts from what Jesus did. You ever thought about it that way? Anything that we do in our strength and ability to try to call something to come to pass or to earn something from God, anything that we do, it detracts from what Jesus has already done and finished. It severs us from Christ and his finished work. The root of every sin is unbelief. The root of all addictions is unbelief. Why, why is that? Think about this a minute. What, the root of all addiction or sin is unbelief. Why is that? Because we believe a lie. We believe a lie that we try to take something other than what Christ has done to fulfill a need that we have. We think that we're, we're, we're not complete. We think that if we, could just, if we just do this or this chemical or this substance or maybe it could be a relationship or whatever if we were in a different relationship or whatever it could be that we try to, we believe a lie that if we could just do this that it'll fill a need or, or whatever that we have and the only thing that's going to meet our needs is Christ Jesus and his finished work. Amen. That we're complete in him. And we have to believe that and receive that. There's nothing else that's going to meet that need or cause us to be happy or joyful or whatever. It's, it's, it's uh, Christ and Christ alone. So the root of all addiction is unbelief. You must believe a lie. Now, now listen to that. You must believe a lie to have an addiction. In order to have an addiction, we must be believing a lie. The sin underneath all our sins is a lie of the serpent that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and that we must take it into our own hands. That's Martin Luther. That's a strong quote right there. The sin underneath all of our sins is the lie of the serpent that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ and that we must take it into our own hands. God's provided an answer. What must we do? And this is what the disciples asked him. They said, what must we do to work the works of God? What does it require? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one and who he has sent. That's John 6, 28 and 29. He said, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world caused by evil desires. And you know that's in 2 Peter uh, 1 verses 3 and 4. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. We quoted that in the beginning. Now, 
this next step right here, don't go ahead yet. Uh, this is a very, very cool story that's going to give a good example of what we've been talking about tonight. And uh, I'm so excited about it, I really wanted to skip to this in the beginning, but, uh, but, but I knew we'd get to it. We had to lay a foundation. So it's, uh, this is a story about a World War II general. I'm going to read to kind of give you a background of the story, and then we'll go and do a review of it. But during World War II, General Wainwright was forced to surrender his troops to the Japanese. This is a true story. For three years, he suffered cruelties of malnutrition, physical and verbal abuse, and psychological mind games. Through it all, he maintained his dignity as a human being and a soldier. When the Japanese surrendered, his captors kept them incarcerated. The war was over, but the bondage continued. See, the Japanese were defeated, but they, kept, they, they, didn't, they didn't let these people know. They kept them incarcerated. So the war was over, but the bondage continued. One day, an Allied plane landed nearby, and an airman informed the general of the surrender. He informed him that the Japanese had surrendered. Wainwright immediately pulled his emaciated body to attention, and he marched up to the command house. Now, this is a man that's weak, frail, had been captive, malnourished, but he, 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 he pulled himself up, got enough strength, and he marched out, and he marched into the commander's general's office. Said he, he immediately pulled himself up, he marched up to the commanding house, he burst through the door, and he declared to the commanding officer, my commander-in-chief has defeated your commander-in-chief. Amen. <laughs> so that's what we need to tell the devil. Listen, buddy, my commander-in-chief has defeated your commander-in-chief. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, I'm now in charge of this camp. Now I want you to picture this. This is probably a man that's got barely any clothing on. He's probably a skeleton. And he's looking into the face of a Japanese general and he's telling him, I'm now in charge of your camp. <laughs> he said, my commanding officer defeated yours, buddy. He said, I'm in charge of this camp. And in response, the Japanese officer took off his sword. He laid it on the table and he surrendered his command because he knew he didn't have any right. The war was over. They surrendered. He laid his weapon on the table and he said, now you're in charge. He, he submitted, uh, submitted his command. So go ahead and put, you can go ahead and go and put those up there. So the step of faith, the war was over, but the bondage continued. See, and that's what happens a lot of times in Christ Jesus. The war is, is over. What Christ Jesus has done is a finished work. When he went to the cross, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, <laughs> it, it's accomplished, it's done, it's finished, it's over. But people allow bondage to continue. Do you think the general felt free and victorious? Do you think he felt free? Do you think he felt victorious? All that he'd been through, the pain that he was suffering, the humiliation that he had been through, even the day that he heard the noise and it was even told, even that day, did he have the feelings that made him feel free? No. Did he have an experience that made him feel free? No. But he got up because he had a word that had been given that freedom had been provided. Amen. So what do we do? We stand up on the word of God that we've received and we walk out in our authority in the name of Jesus and we declare and decree that we've been made free. Amen? And we believe that we've been made free. And if we believe that we've been made free, then any addiction or bondage we've been in won't have control of us any longer. Amen? Why? Because we see ourselves as free. We don't see ourselves as, as in bondage to a chemical or, or an addiction or an, an attitude or behavior or whatever it may be, but we see ourselves and we identify with freedom in Christ. Amen? So, he took a great risk when he believed the truth and he stepped out in faith. 
but he dared to believe the truth and he acted on it. Most Christians are unaware that the victory is already won. Amen. But it's our job to help them see. Amen. Glory to God. So a simple, straightforward and scriptural answer for addiction. His divine power has given unto us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He's given us uh, his very great and precious promises so that through them we might participate in divine nature and escape the corruption that is in this world caused by evil desires. So what is the problem? Again, the problem is unbelief. We all have the same problem. We have no physical evidence that we're free. See, we live in a physical world. We touch, we taste, we feel. Amen. We're sitting in a chair tonight. You're leaning on the table. You've got a, a drink or a cake or a cookie that you ate. It's all physical things that you can, you, can, you can see and say, well, yeah, I know because I see it. I can touch it. I can feel it. But a lot of times we, don't, we, we can't feel or, or, or sense our freedom. And, and, and in fact, sometimes it's completely opposite. Sunday morning, I shared that about voices. You know, uh, uh, objects have voices. Things have voices and they talk. Addictions have voices. Amen. But we know the scripture says, let uh, uh, God be true and every man a liar. And Sunday morning I said this is let God be true and every other voice that con uh, contradicts God's word, let every other voice be a liar. Amen. So we spend our time and effort trying to change our behavior and get our feelings to line up with the truth. Man, we struggle and we work and we do this and we do that trying to get our our, our behavior to, to change and get our feelings to, if our feelings could just feel like we're free, <laughs> to get it to line up with the truth. But this will never happen. We fail and we fall and Satan accuses us and he tells us how bad we are and we have to start all over again. <laughs> we make no progress and many seem to be losing ground and getting a lot worse. We miss out on the free and victorious life that we've been given and it's ours for the taking. Amen. So many times we live so far below the, the benefits that we've been given in Christ. It's been given the victorious and free life has been given to us for the taking. But God uses this so that we'll give up on ourselves and rely on him who raises the dead. Amen. He wants us to come to the end of ourselves. <laughs> when we're weak, we're, we're the most strong when we rely on him. Amen. So we can't trust Christ as our life until we give up on our life. And again, the example I gave you about uh, Brother Mike, that's uh, the one that wrote the curriculum in the book. You know, he had a friend that lived in, in Chattanooga, a multimillionaire lived up on the top of Lookout Mountain. And he called him one day and he said, I need you to come talk to me. He said, I'm losing everything. I'm losing my wife. My, you know, my kids can't stand me. They live on one side of the house. I live on the other. I'm losing my, my career. And he said, I need you to come help. And the alcohol is taking everything. So, you know, uh, I believe I've told the story. He went up, met with him, and he, he talked to him about these things, and he basically said, he said, well, I guess I'm just not strong enough to do it. I guess I just don't have what it takes. And, uh, and Mike told him, he said, no, that's not your problem. Your problem is you're too strong. The problem is you're trying to do it all in your strength and ability. He said, the best thing you can do is, is, is give up <laughs> on you and let Christ uh, uh, receive what Christ has already done, the freedom that's already been given, and see yourself there and, and identify with it. Amen. So we have to give up on ourselves. So where are we tonight? What's our position tonight? We're seated in Christ Jesus. 
Now, I know we're going through a uh, lesson tonight with reading scriptures, but uh, I, I want you to really think about that. You know, we're not doing this just to take up time. We're not coming here tonight just to say we went to church on a Wednesday night. This is the word of God. These are, are promises that are straight from scripture. Amen. And this is powerful. It says, where are you? We're seated with Jesus. Amen. We're at the right hand of God tonight. That's where you are tonight. That's where your authority is tonight. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're at the right hand of God the Father. You're above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Above every title that there is, above every name that there is. And God raised up us up with Christ. He seated us with him. Ephesians 2, 5. Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given. Where is the heavenly realm that we've been raised up to see and seated with Christ? It's a place of spiritual authority where all things are under his feet and we are in him. Amen. It is at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule, authority, and dominion. Where are we? We're in Christ. He is in us. He is in the Father. And how secure is that? Amen. How, how, how more, you know, how can you get more secure than that? That we're in, in God. We're in Jesus. Seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all. Principality, power, might, and dominion. So Jesus said, on that day you will realize that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I am in you. Amen. And Mike says this, he said, after I had struggled with alcoholism, God used that verse to get my attention. He said, I remember thinking, if this is true and I know it, what else could I possibly need? Just that one verse right there, he said, if this is really true, and he said, I know it is, then what else could I possibly need? So that's the answer for any problem we have in life. <laughs> Amen. We're in him and he's in us. He said, when I believed Galatians uh, 2, 20, 29 years ago, I was made free. That's when he became free, when he, he believed Galatians 2, 20. At that instant, when he believed. So where are, uh, where are all your problems? <laughs> where are all your problems? Jesus has your back. <laughs> You're bulletproof. Sound like Superman. Jesus has your back. You're bulletproof. You're invincible. Now what he's talking about here, he's talking about the man that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Not the natural man, but the man that's in Christ Jesus. You're invincible. All things are under his feet, which means that they're under our feet. He's the head over everything. And God placed all things under his feet and he pointed him to be the head over everything for the church. So all your problems are under Jesus' feet where everything else is. And we're in Jesus. Yes, the devil prowls around looking for someone he can devour, but his teeth have been pulled. Amen. <laughs> He's looking for someone to gum. The only weapon he really has is deception. The world, the flesh, and the devil have absolutely no power over us. The world uh, postures and poses, but it is a death rattle. See, the world postures and poses, man, things look big, problems look big. The devil makes situations look like, how are you ever going to get out of this? How are you ever, ever going to overcome? How will you ever, you know, get the victory? But we already have the victory. God has achieved a full and complete victory. And having disarmed, this is one of my favorite scriptures in Colossians. Colossians 2.15, it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So he tells us here, he says, stop praying for deliverance and realize that you'll not get any more victorious and free than you are right now. 
So see, we're not supposed to pray for victory or ask God for victory, but we have to realize that we already have the victory and we'll never be more victorious than we are right now at this moment. So, so let me ask you that. Does that have anything to do with feeling? If you're going to really believe that, then it has zero to do with feeling. It has zero to do with circumstances. It has zero to do with flesh. Zero to do with problems. Amen? And what the devil's making out here talk and seem loud and, and, and too big to overcome. 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15, 57, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're almost done here. We just got a couple more pages we're going to look at real quick. It says, we have it all. All sins, failures, mistakes, regrets, and defeats are gone. Now listen to that. All sins. Now see, you, ha you have to see this as a person that's in Christ Jesus. You say, how can that be? Because I just messed up, you know, 30 minutes ago before I came to church. In Christ Jesus, all sins, failures, mistakes, regrets, and defeats are gone. All guilt, shame, condemnation, and judgments are gone. We have received Jesus. The creator lives on inside of us. He is our life. We're partakers of divine life. Our lives are hidden with him in God. We are one with him. We have everything we need for life and godliness. If God is for us, who can be against us? How will, we not, uh, how will he not along with him give us all things? Amen? Glory to God. You can't get any better than that. <laughs> How many of you believe tonight that you have it all? Amen. Glory to God. We're not trying to get it. We're not trying to earn it. We're not looking for a better day. We're not trying to cross a chilly, chilly Jordan and get to the other side that one day in the sweet by and by things will be better. No, we're in Christ Jesus right now. Do you know you're living part of your eternity right now? You're an eternal being. Amen. As pastor says, when you get to heaven one day, you're not going to get hit with a glory wand, you know, and get more righteous than you are today. We're as righteous right now. I'm telling you, this will change things for us. Amen. It'll change, it'll change the way you see yourself. It'll change the way that you walk. It'll change the way that you talk. Amen. It'll change the way that you handle things on your job and in your career and with your children and with your spouse. Amen. If you see that you're never going to be any more righteous than you are right now. Amen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now. Not going to be one day. You are right now. Glory to God. So our prayers for freedom and victory are prayers of unbelief. If we're praying for freedom or praying for victory, those prayers are, um, are, are prayers of unbelief because we've been given freedom and victory right now. It's already been given to us. Everything's been given to us. We have it all in Christ Jesus. All sins, failures, mistakes, we've already read that, are removed and they're gone. No more punishment, guilt, shame, condemnation. They're all gone. Amen. Christ is our life. He lives in us. We're partakers of divine life. We're in union with Christ and we're one with him. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Nothing can come into our lives. Listen to this. Nothing can come into our lives unless he means it for good and will work it out for our good. If you're in it, he's in it. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read this uh, quote real quick. From uh, Henry Newman. It says, as long as I keep looking for my true self in the world of unconditional love, I remain hooked to the world. Trying, failing, and trying again. It's a world that fosters addictions because what it offers cannot satisfy the deepest cravings of my heart. Our addictions make us cling to what the world claims as a keys to self-fulfillment. These addictions create expectations that fail to satisfy our deepest needs. 
As long as we live within the world's delusions, our addictions condemn us to face an endless series of disillusionments while our sense of self remains unfulfilled. In these days of increasing addictions, we have wandered far away from our Father's house. The addicted life can be aptly described as a life lived in, distant, in a distant country. Think about it just a minute. See, that's what the devil wants. Our, the devil wants us to stay away from the Father. Amen. See ourselves that there's no way we can come boldly to the throne to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. Why? Because we've failed. We've missed it. We're not good enough. No. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that's the end of the story. Amen. Glory to God. So we're to run to the Father. Run to Daddy. Glory to God. He said, the addictive life can aptly be described as a life lived in a distant country. I'm the prodigal son every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. Why do I keep leaving home where I'm called a child of God, the beloved of the Father? Amen. Why do we go looking for fulfillment anywhere else but the Father's house when we're already in his house? Amen. We're called the beloved of the Father. Glory to God. So why do we do it? One word, deception. Deception. We believe a lie. We believe lies about ourselves, about God, and about life. The prison doors have been opened wide. Will we believe God and by faith walk through those doors that are open? Will we receive, will we receive what Christ died to give to us? Will we stop looking at our feelings and behavior? Will we stop being afraid and only believe? Amen. It's like his disciples when Jesus appeared to him on the water and they were afraid. And he said, don't be afraid, it's me. And they allowed him to come onto the boat. See, they had to trust Jesus and allow him into the boat. So we need to stop being afraid. Amen. And believe. It's for freedom that Christ has made us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery is the law. When we try to do right and avoid wrong and get free, we put ourselves right back under the law. Why do we leave our secure home where we're his beloved, blood-bought, born-again, blessed children? Amen. Truth sets us free. That's what Jesus said in John 8, 32. We read that at the beginning. He also said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Jesus is the truth. The truth is living in you. You know the truth, and of course, the truth is in you. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, this is 1 John 2, 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of, all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies comes from the truth. The truth that sets you free is a person, and his name is Jesus. The truth lives in you. The truth is your life. You're one with the truth. That's who you are. I'll tell you what, all these are, are, are awesome confessions. We need to say these things every day. Boldly confess that we are one with the truth. The one that sets us free lives on inside of us. We already have freedom. We have all that we need. Glory to God. He's given us everything that pertains in the life and godliness. So you don't need to memorize... Now, now, you have to understand where he's coming from here. He said, you don't need to memorize scripture. You just need to know that who God is and who the truth is and that he's in you. Now, it's okay to memorize scripture, but see, what he's saying is it's just not, you know, you can memorize a thousand scriptures and still not know who Jesus is. Amen. So what we need to do is we need to know who the truth is and that the fact that the truth himself lives on the side of us. 
So this is an eternal truth, whether you know it, believe it, feel it, or act like it. Don't spend too much time trying to memorize and to learn scripture, but get to know Jesus and who Jesus is. Amen, that relationship with Christ Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus and our freedom in Christ, then we'll begin to change our belief. And when we change our belief, the things on the outside will begin to change. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, we're finished for tonight. Glory be to God. God is good. Everybody say that with me. Say, God is good. And he's good all the time. Amen.